Saturday Night Live clowns around with abortion. The Biden administration prepares to trample over pro-life nurses and doctors. And the California Teachers Association believes they are better parents than you. As the Supreme Court begins to hear arguments in Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization, a decision which could overturn, overturn Roe versus Wade, the left ramps up their attacks against babies, children, families, and pro-lifers. But don't worry, deep down, they really care about you. Tyranny isn't tyranny if it's exercised for the good of its victims, right? I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted. Welcome to the show today, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. I apologize it's been a little bit of time since it's just been you and me. We've had some fun interviews with guests, but I have been on the road a lot. We did 13 events in October, 11 in November. I only have one more for December, and then I can finally take a breath of fresh air. But as we've shared with you a lot on this show, there are forces on the move in the world. <laughs> the Lord seems to be moving in mighty ways, and people are waking up, and they're excited to contend in ways I haven't seen before. Our prayer and hope, of course, is that that happens and grows to the degree to which we can actually present a significant threat to the forces of evil that we see all around us. But of course, all of that evil sort of hinges and turns, doesn't it, on this issue of abortion. Because if you can invert the right to life and get the culture to celebrate and champion denying human beings their right to life in the womb, there's no end to your political project. You can pull off everything else as well. And so people are waking up to that. So I've been um, busier than I've ever been uh, before. So pray for me as I continue uh, to contend uh, on this issue and on the rights of the preborn, especially for the church, that they will continue to wake up. And we'll talk a little bit about more of that later with an exciting opportunity I want you to get involved with as well. If you like this show and this has been helpful for you, would you give us a rating and review? It really helps us reach more people. You know that we focus on speaking about life on this show, securing the right to life for the pre-born, the worldview, the ideas that sort of drive the abortion behemoth and the culture of death, the consequences of those ideas, how we're reaping what we've sown in the culture of death, all of this really just kind of hinging around the right to life and how we can love our pre-born neighbors. Um, but a lot of people don't want to talk about that. It's not fun. And so it's not as easy to build a large listenership for a show like mine as it would be for a sort of a broadcast net of political commentary. And so your uh, ratings and review and sharing really does help and it, it makes the show appear higher up on the chart so more people will actually tune in and listen. So if you leave us a five-star rating and leave us a review as well, uh, we would really appreciate that. Um, my speaking schedule is already getting packed for January, February, and March, um, but we want to continue getting into churches. So if you're a pastor or if you enjoy this show and you're passionate about life, but your church doesn't talk about it enough or you think they might be willing to, consider reaching out to me. I'd love to get you on the calendar for 2022 for a youth group for a faith-based high school or from the pulpit of your church to equip and encourage and educate and fire up your people to contend for the life of the preborn, helping them understand this issue and then how to engage and be a voice for the unborn. So um, there is a lot going on right now, okay? I'm gonna try to do this as succinctly as possible 
um, for sake of time, I don't want to spend too much time on any one thing because the news cycle, as you've noticed, as always, is absolutely bonkers, especially as the Supreme Court begins to hear arguments in Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization, right? This is the Mississippi Gestational Age Act, which is a 15-week abortion ban, which we covered several months ago when the, uh, when the lawsuits initially uh, started happening and it started working way it, its way up through the circuit courts and now the Supreme Court will begin hearing arguments on December 1st and will probably have a decision by sometime in the spring or early summer of 2022 and so the left is losing their ever-loving minds okay so expect a lot more of abortion related news and actions on behalf or on the on the forefront of the culture of death that would be the mainstream media um, the educational infrastructure, state-level legislatures, Hollywood, entertainment, okay? Expect a bunch of stupid, kooky Hollywood performers and actors who have, no, have nothing resembling a robust political philosophy begin to speak out about this as well because their greatest sacrament is beginning to be compromised. Okay, so we see that, of course, beginning with the entertainment inf infrastructure. So Saturday Night Live, which I guess used to be funny, right? Was it? Like, wh when was that? Uh, back in maybe... I don't know, 2002, I guess. There's old skits we all think are funny. Um, but as every culturally formative institution is demanded to bow the knee to Moloch, okay, and are demanded to function as serviles of the abortion behemoth, uh, they begin to become less funny and they begin to become more just political actors doing a little soft shoe and a little theatrical performance act for the culture of death. You'll notice how the left unifies so powerfully together every time the, the fictional right to abortion is compromised. Have you seen this? Boy, do they mobilize. It's wild. And they'll mobilize and set aside other peripheral political disagreements and issues um, to protect abortion, unlike any other political priority that they have. Because abortion really is sort of what I call this, the centerpiece of secular progressivism. Killing the preborn baby and defending the right to kill those babies is really the animating feature that undergirds the Democrat Party today, the culture of death, the mainstream media, secular progressivism, okay, this liberal regime. Um, because it strikes at the very heart of how they see themselves and what their political philosophy entails, if you will. Because it goes right back to that first lie in Genesis 3 that we could actually be our own gods, right? And so they have their identity wrapped up in abortion. They have their identity wrapped up in their right or their belief that they can liberate themselves, even from the constraints of human nature, that we have a human nature and with a human nature comes um, certain rights and with certain rights come certain duties and responsibilities, right? Rights and duties are sort of the flip side of the same coin, right? If I have a right to life, you have a duty not to kill me, right? If I have a right to free speech, you have a duty not to censor me, right? Duties are the flip side of rights. And so if there's a, if there's a human nature, right, that we didn't create, 
but we were just given, then there's certain sort of rights and duties that flow from that human nature, namely the duty to not kill your own children. <laughs> that would be a pretty fundamental duty, and the duty to take care of your own children. But if you can actually kill your own children, and that's actually part of liberating yourself and sort of, sort of eating that, the, sort of the apples of the sexual revolution, right? If it feels good, do it. And if we get pregnant on nuts, we'll just kill the baby because if we can't kill our own children, we can't be equal with men. That's not fair. Men don't have uteruses, we do. So we can't be as successful in the workplace unless we can kill our own children. So abortion really becomes sort of this, this, um, this door hinge that really opens and shuts the door of secular progressivism. That really is the animating feature from which so much of the rest of their political philosophy trickles down. Because with the right, we say, if you don't get the right to life right, you won't get any other rights right. But they say, if you can invert the right to life, we can invert everything else. <laughs> and we can get the public to celebrate it and champion it. And we'll indoctrinate the posterity and the children, the future of America, with our ideas to expand the lifespan of our political project. And we're going to get into children in just one second as well. So Saturday Night Live has just become another prop in sort of the, the theater of progressivism. Here they were recently introducing Goober the Clown to share her abortion story. And I want you to pay very close attention to what she says and how she says it, and then we'll unpack it. So here's Goober the Clown. I had an abortion the day before my 23rd birthday. Okay. It, it seems like you do want to talk about your abortion. Well, actually, I really don't. But people keep bringing it up, so I got to keep talking about freaking abortion. But it's a rough subject, so we're going to do fun clown stuff to make it more palatable. Whee! Hey, who wants a balloon animal? You want a giraffe? Okay. okay. <laughs> you, you don't have to do this, Cecily. Cecily, I'm Goober. And I wish I didn't have to do this, because the abortion I had at 23 is my personal clown business. But that's all some people in this country want to discuss all the time, even though clown abortion was legalized in Clown v. Wade in 1973. Here. You know, it's funny, Colin. We're having fun. Just laugh. Hey, pull my finger. Uh, no. Laugh. I need it. I need you to laugh so hard, like the way I laugh when the doctor asked if I got pregnant on the way over to the clinic, because I wasn't very far along. And that is one of my favorite jokes to this day. I love that joke. It's such a good joke. Not like a funny ha-ha joke, but like a funny you're not an awful person and your life isn't over now joke. The best kind. A honka honka. <laughs> good horn. Good horn. Wow. It's pretty funny stuff, huh? If you're just listening to the show, you wouldn't have seen all the sort of theatricals involved with that. So if you want to watch the show, head on over to YouTube to watch that clip. Uh, pretty sick stuff. The first reaction I had to that, maybe maybe you had this one as well, was, um, "Hey, Goober the Clown, you're uh, you're trying awfully hard there, huh? You're trying awfully hard there to convince yourself that you didn't kill your baby, huh? Wow, wow. You see, they have to convince us and get us to approve and champion their choices so that they can approve of themselves." And, you know, this is sort of the great conservative consolation, if you will, is that reality re always reasserts itself in the end. It always does. Um, reality does tend to be self-evident, and only through ideology, right, and sort of becoming high off ideology and these alternative worldviews that suppress reality, 
um, can we convince ourselves that the truth in front of us, the self-evident reality in front of us is not true, right? Uh, this was sort of the mystery passage of um, Anthony Kennedy in the Planned Parenthood v. Casey Supreme Court decision in 1990, 1991, roughly around when I was born, when he said that at the heart of liberty is our right to define existence and the mystery of human life. <laughs> Famous postmodernist relativistic mystery passage from Planned Parenthood v. Casey that at the heart of liberty is our right to define reality, in other words, to define our concept of the mystery of human life and of existence itself. So in other words, there is no objectively true things that can be perceived through our intuitions and rational nature it, actually, we, we get to define that ourselves, right? And, and this is what Goober the Clown is doing here, right? Trying to, to convince herself that the reality that she killed her own child is not the reality. The reality, she was just exercising her reproductive rights, okay? She was just exercising bodily autonomy. But she seems to be trying awfully hard to convince herself of that. You'll notice she said that this is a rough subject, so we're going to clown around or something like this. But why is it a rough subje subject? Because if the baby is not a baby and it's just tissue mass, then why is it a rough subject? If the baby is just a non-person with no rights and suctioning their body parts into a catheter tube or ripping their arms off of their shoulders before crushing their skull is just reproductive justice, then abortion is really no more morally problematic than removing, uh, you know, a tumor, right? Because that right is just really healthcare, actually, if you really think about it. And it has no more moral weight attached to that surgery than any other surgery. In which case, why is it such a difficult subject, you see? They can't help but allow these, these sort of uh, crumbs of reality to occasionally you know, manifest itself and escape from their table. It's like, oh yeah, oops, that, that is kind of the reality of what we're talking about. But anyone this unhinged is obviously not emotionally healthy or at peace with their decision to kill their baby. She does not seem at peace at all. She seems incredibly disturbed and incredibly in need of our approval. Remember she was saying, I need you to laugh so bad. Not like a haha joke, but like a you're not an awful person and your life isn't over now joke. Meaning she doesn't want us to say that to her. She doesn't want us to say she is an awful person or that she made an awful decision. Well, why do you need that from us that much? It's just healthcare, right? It was just a normal surgery. They need us to approve of their choice so that they can approve of themselves. And so anyone who presents an alternative voice and calls their bigotry for what it really is must be censored and must be portrayed as stupid. And that's really the point of this SNL kiss, kit, uh, skit, isn't it? What, what is Goober and Saturday Night Live trying to accomplish here? They're trying to pro portray the pro-life position as so beyond the pale and so weird and stupid that you have to just laugh at how stupid those pro-lifers are with their, their weird obsession with women's bodies. That's how they always portray the pro-life position, right? In sort of 
the secular cultural culture or mainstream media or the entertainment infrastructure is like, why are you pro-lifers so obsessed with women's bodies? Why do you want to talk about women's bodies so much? <laughs> right? they, they try to portray us as so strange and, and our, our positions so socially ostracizable that you just have to laugh at how stupid those pro-life rubes are. That's really what they're trying to accomplish here, right? She's like, oh, I don't really want to talk about my abortion, but that's all we want to talk about. They always want to talk about my body, so now I'll talk about my clown abortion. They try to make it so funny and weird so that abortion is presented as the self-evident position, and the pro-choice position is presented as the self-evident position, while the pro-life position is um, basically akin to racism. Right, and that's how they have portrayed pro-lifers, by the way, right? They've portrayed us as racist because in pushing pro-life legislation, black women are the most disproportionately impacted because they get abortions at higher rates and so um, they're gonna end up becoming more poor because they have to give birth to their children. That's what they're trying to accomplish here. But uh, yeah, it seems like they um, pushed it a little too hard and we really see it how disturbed this woman um, portraying herself as Goober the Clown really is. Um, but if we are that stupid, right, and pro-lifers are the equivalent of racists and their position is so beyond the pale and unacceptable in civilized society, then it's only self-evident that they should be targeted, right? That they shouldn't be able to live out their ideas because they're attacking women. And so we then need to attack pro-lifers and treat them as the rubes that they are and as the threat they are to our American republic. And so the Biden administration recently announced that they're going to begin tearing down Trump's Office of Civil Rights at the HHS, which protected religious freedom. And you may, you may remember this. During the Trump administration, they expanded the Office of Civil Rights under the Health and Human Services Department to protect uh, oftentimes pro-life doctors and nurses whom the left was trying to force or coerce into performing or assisting with abortions upon threat of career termination. And so um, the Biden administration is now seeking to limit the power of Health and Human Services um, Office of Civil um, Rights, according to Life, or Life News, rather. Um, and, and this was just reported in November. Now, remember, the Biden DOJ a couple months ago dropped a lawsuit, and I covered this at the time, they dropped a lawsuit against a Vermont hospital who coerced a nurse into assisting with an abortion upon threat of career termination. Now, this lawsuit was filed during the Trump administration because we had a good Office of Civil Rights focused on maintaining religious liberty and religious rights. And so a doctor at a Vermont hospital told a nurse that if she didn't come in and help assist with the abortion, he was going to fire her. Now, unfortunately, she did cave to the coercion, assisted with the abortion, regretted it, and filed a lawsuit against that hospital. Well, now under the Biden administration, his Department of Justice dropped that lawsuit a couple months ago. So what are they communicating? That nothing happened here that was a true threat to religious liberty. In short, there's nothing here that, is, that can be upheld um, in sort of the constitutional, uh, our constitution and our liberties and rights. In other words, religious uh, nurses who have religious objections to abortion ought to be coerced and allowed to be coerced into performing with abortions and assisting with abortions or be threatened to be fired or have their medical license rescinded. So Newsmax reported that an internal memo from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services is calling for limiting the powers of the HHS Office of Civil Rights. 
It, um, according to the Life News article, under the Trump administration, HHS centralized authority over religious freedom claims because the laws weren't being enforced and because that's how we enforce every other civil right. Roger Severino said, without dedicated staff responsible for investigating religious freedom complaints, HHS will return to trampling people's rights as before, just ask the Little Sisters of the Poor. He also pointed out uh, Xavier Becerra's dis dismal record on religious freedom matters, saying the HHS secretary was twice found to have violated conscience protection laws. Just a reminder, Xavier Becerra is now serving as the director of HHS, of the Health and Human Services Department, was um, attorney general in California after Kamala Harris left that position um, and became a senator. And Xavier Becerra famously tried to force Catholic nuns into paying for abortion-inducing drugs in their health care plans, even though nuns don't have sex and they have no need for contraceptive services. <laughs> okay, um, And, of course, he also tried to make California pregnancy centers advertise for abortion services on the walls of their clinics, which would be like forcing PETA to advertise where to find the local butchery. Uh, this guy is a complete enemy to uh, America, to the Constitution, to freedom, to life, to liberty, and to the pro-life movement. He's now serving as the head of HHS, whose assistant secretary is a man who thinks he's a woman, in case you thought that the culture of death couldn't get any more dystopic. Um, and so that's who is behind all of this, right, is the kind of guy who sues Catholic nuns and targets California pro-life pregnancy centers. Oh, and also continue Kamala Harris's criminal prosecution against pro-life undercover journalists in California who were targeted for exposing Planned Parenthood for selling dead baby body parts on the black market, um, breaking federal law in doing so. In the memo, the Biden administration argues that the change will not stop it from defending religious freedom. So, of course, the Biden administration is going to say this, right? They're going to say, no, we're still going to protect religious freedom. Uh, they say, rescinding the delegation to Office of Civil Rights does not lessen the commitment of the department to compliance, but ensures that it is not misused by any one agency to enact a broad, proactive agenda, the memo states. In other words, right, the Biden administration saying, no, we will protect religious liberty according to how we understand religious liberty. Ah, yes, we can trust people who believe that pro-life nurses should be forced to assist with abortions upon threat of career termination. Oh, and that the right to life is a fiction because they've slaughtered 63 million children. You can trust them to adequately um, uh, enforce a robust historical understanding of religious liberty from the highest levels of the federal government. Ridiculous, right? So they're saying, we don't want to misuse religious liberty, though. Right. We don't want to misuse it in a broad, proactive agenda. So don't worry. Trust us. We have your best interests at heart. This, by the way, is the false compassion of secular progressivism. False compassion really does sort of undergird almost every policy um, position and prescription, proscription of the left today. They believe they are the righteous ones, that they are on the right side of history. So abortion becomes reproductive health care, right? Socialism becomes equity. Racism becomes uh, just uh, uh, reconciling with our racist past, right? Or it becomes, um, or, you, or rather, you're a racist if you oppose critical race theory, um, which tells white people that they're racist purely because of the amount of melanin. Um, all of their issues they defend under false compassion, and they portray some of the worst positions you could hold 
um, as, as just loving and compassionate and open-mindedness and equitable and equal and equality, right? You need to understand this. So they're saying that, no, we are going to uphold religious liberty. We'll protect people's religious liberty in America through the Office of Civil Rights. We're not giving, getting rid of the Office of Civil Rights. Uh, we're just making sure that it, it, it's not being used in too broad of a way to actually abuse religious liberty. Well, how do they interpret that? Well, the way they interpret that, according to Xavier Becerra in the Health and Human Services Department, is that it is an abuse of religious liberty to, to allow pro-life nurses to say, I don't want to perform or assist with abortions. That's a misuse of religious liberty. So, so pro-life obstetricians, gynecologists, and nurses who have moral or religious objections to abortion need to be coerced into performing, assisting with those abortions, or they'll be fired. That's liberty, all right, in the lexicon of the left. This reminds me of one of C.S. Lewis's famous lines about people who see themselves on the right side of history, who believe that everything they're doing is just for your own good, right? He said that of all the tyrannies, a tyranny exercised for the good of its victims may be the most oppressive. It may be better to live under robber barons than under omnipotent moral busybodies. The robber baron's cruelty may sometimes sleep. His cupidity may at some point be satiated, but those who torment us for our own good will torment us without end, for they do so with the approval of their own conscience. <laughs> right? I, it would be better to live under robber barons, under criminals, than under omnipotent moral busybodies who see themselves as their own savior and the savior of Western civilization. And so everything that they do, they will do with the belief that they're righteous. So even though it's tyranny, it's not really tyranny because we're just doing it for your good. <laughs> and there will be no end to the lengths they're willing to go to target you um, or to torment you because they do so with the approval of their own conscience. So you need to understand this. If pro-life doctors and nurses can be fired for refusing to help kill babies, how long until pro-lifers, like you and me, can be sued and arrested for seeking to impede a woman's reproductive liberty by simply standing outside of the sidewalks of abortion mills and trying to speak to her before she goes in? right, by trying to talk her down from an abortion. How much longer until that tyranny comes home for all of us because they torment us with the approval of their own conscience? If it's tyranny and an abuse of liberty for pro-life nurses to opt out of an abortion, then it's certainly tyranny for pro-lifers like you and I to actually try to engage women before they walk into an abortion mill to pay a hitman to kill their child by trying to talk her down from doing so. We are the threat to this political regime. Those who are truly the proponents of compassion and reality are actually the greatest threats, and so they must be targeted. Parents must be targeted. Pro-lifers must be targeted. And children who might be taught alternative worldviews and religions by their own parents must be targeted as well. And we'll get to that in just one second. But first, I want to share an exciting announcement with you. This January, I'm hosting a huge pro-life conference for the church in California because we all know that if the church chose to end abortion, we could do so. It's called Love Life California. It's happening on January 29th, January 29th, the last Saturday of January, at Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills. 
with my good friend Pastor Jack Hibbs. We'll have speakers like Melissa Odin, Kurt Cameron, the former abortionist Dr. Anthony Leventino, and many more. It will be a phenomenal day packed full of phenomenal speakers, breakout sessions, content to educate, encourage, and equip you to stand and to get the church engaged in California, send them home with a game plan to end abortion in their communities, contending for godly politics, but not waiting for the politics to save children, which we can do now by contending in our communities for life, and perhaps lifting the curse that we're under in America because of our apathy towards and our often approval of abortion through doing nothing. So we really would love to see you there in person. There are live stream tickets available as well that are a little cheaper. So go to lovelifecalifornia.org, lovelifecalifornia.org. And if you're a listener to this show, you get the promo code UNABORTED25 in all caps, UNABORTED25 for 25% off all ticket sales. If you want to join us in person or live online for the live stream tickets, head on over to lovelifecalifornia.org and we'll see you on January 29th. We'll be right back with a whole lot more. So don't worry, it's not tyranny if it's a tyranny exercise for the good of its victims. Just trust them to interpret their, <laughs> their version of liberty. Um, and all will be well, all will be well. Well, not all is well. And woe to those who say peace, peace when there is no peace. Everything that the left is pushing with abortion is done so under the mantle of false compassion. They portray it as compassionate and loving, but it's anything but. And we have seen that more and more with the left's attack, attacks on parents, haven't we? And seeking to separate children from parents, which, by the way, is what communist regimes have done, right? They always try to get children to rat out on their own parents. If those parents were, were you know, um, political dissidents who were questioning the power of the state, because they know that if you can get the kids you can change the country, right? Because the, the worldview and ideas of the posterity will, will become the new uh, cultural norm of our social fabric in the near future. And so the California Teachers Association was just exposed for instructing educators to undercut parents. This is a bombshell story, and you're not going to hear of it from very many other places. The California Teachers Association held a conference in October to instruct teachers on how to undercut parents, conservatives, and school administrators on issues of sexual orientation and gender identity. And by the way, this will play a role with abortion as well, right? You remember we had Pastor Tim Thompson on recently to talk about what he's been doing to contend for life and liberty, but he talked about undercover footage they got of how the ACLU has actually trained schools in California how to get students secret abortions, okay? And now the California Teachers Association is seeking to undercut parents as well. Documents and audio files from the conference workshops were recently leaked to Abigail Schreier. She's the author of the book Irreversible Damage, The Transgender Craze Seducing Our Daughters. And the audio files reveal malicious tactics to topple parents' rights and indoctrinate students. Members of CTA <clears throat> boasted a monitoring students, boasted of monitoring students' Google searches and conversations amongst peers to target students and convince them to join LGBTQ clubs while hiding the club's membership roles from parents. So think about that. If you're sending your, your student to public school and you think that, you know, <clears throat> you're a Christian parent and you can trust these schools and your student's a good, you know, good boy or girl and 
fairly conservative and Christian, and they're getting targeted and pressured to join progressive groups, and then the school's hiding the membership roles of those groups from the parents. Think about that for a second. Workshops at the conference encourage teachers to form, encourage teachers to form LGBTQ clubs to help students, quote, explore sexual orientation. That, that's from the conference. Explore sexual orientation but advise them to keep no records so they can plead ignorance with parents. Conference attendees also recommended changing club names from Gay Straight Alliance to things like Equity Club in order to mask the real objective of the meetings. Oh, what did I just tell you? False compassion, false compassion. It's not racism, it's not kooky sexual ideologies, it's not Gnostic dualism that believes that the body's not the real you, and so however you feel you are on the inside is the real you. It's not perversion, it's not perverted, it's not, it's not, um, um, it's not sexual propaganda for minors. No, it's just an equity club. It's, ju it's just an equity club. Well, you're opposed to equity? Oh my gosh, you sicko, right? This is how they pull off everything that they do. Teachers have even gone so far as to tell students not to repeat anything that is said during the meetings. You remember last year during Zoom, right, all the Zoom classrooms, you had, you had teachers telling students to make sure their parents weren't in the room because they didn't want the parents to hear what they were teaching, right? They admitted that many schools and parents opposed the clubs and they have difficulty enticing and keeping members. One speaker told teachers that despite these obstacles, they should continue their efforts because, quote, quote, Youth are the drivers of change. Some teachers have completely disregarded parental rights in order to further their harmful progressive agenda. Okay, do you see? Do you see? If we're just stupid pro-life Republican conservative rubes whose positions are beyond the pale and not acceptable in civilized society so we can crack jokes about us on SNL and those who are Christians and serving the uh, and serving people through medicine and don't want to perform with abortions need to be forced to do so, then parents also need to be separated from parents and, and, and prevented from teaching their uh, beliefs to children who spend the most of their time with, with secular progressive political activists who masquerade as public school teachers. But notice the key line from this conference and audio recordings that were released. The reason they want to do all of this is because what? Youth are drivers of change. Yes. Because if you can get the children while they're young, they'll serve you forever. And you can upend society completely because they're the future. They're the posterity. So the ideas and worldview that the next generation absorb and champion will be the dominant worldview 10, 20, 30, and 40 years from now. The left has been playing the slow, long game for a long time. They are patient in order to pull off their political project goals and regime. Remember, in California... Children can get abortions without parental consent and charge it to their parents' insurance plan without parental consent or knowledge, and the insurance company can't tell the children that they did that. The ACLU has trained schools all throughout California how to get students secret abortions, and now they're seeking to separate children from parents by getting children involved or pressured to get involved with secular, progressive, radical, ideological groups to indoctrinate the children with their alternative worldview and religion, hide it from the parents so they don't find out because youth are the drivers of change. All of this, right? The SNL jokes portraying us as stupid, cracking down, trying to force religious conservative 
doctors and nurses to perform abortions, and now indoctrinating your children and hiding it from you. All of this leading up to the Supreme Court case, hearing arguments in Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization, because this is the first Supreme Court case that challenges Roe versus Wade since Planned Parenthood v. Casey in 91, and of course Roe versus Wade in 1973. This is the Gestational Age Act of Mississippi, which is a 15-week abortion ban which is before viability, which is a stupid subjective term that means when the baby can survive outside the womb. But because of medical advancements, when the baby can survive outside the womb always gets pushed back earlier and earlier with, with um, uh, scientific advancements, right? So it's a stupid subjective term. Um, but the Supreme Court has never allowed states to ban abortions before this subjective uh, uh, stage called viability. But the Mississippi Gestational Age Act would ban abortions at 15 weeks. By the way, at 15 weeks, the baby has fingers, toes, eyelids, eyebrows, eyelashes, fingernails, hair, teeth, bones, a functioning nervous system, and fully developed genitals. Her heart is beating roughly 25 quarts of blood every day. She can suck her thumb and yawn, responds to touch, and in every state you can kill her. By 15 weeks old, of course, the baby is too large to fit into a vacuum suction catheter tube, so they must be killed through dilation and evacuation, which involves tearing a baby's arms from their shoulders before crushing their skull. That's what we're talking about. That's a human being. That's our neighbor. That's a person, despite what the Supreme Court tells you, that not all humans are persons, repeating the judicial bigotry and tyranny of Dred Scott. But here's the point. Regardless of how the Supreme Court rules, our duty is the same. You know, Now, we hope for godly legislation. We hope for a godly, righteous decision that recognizes how stupid and unconstitutional Roe versus Wade was. There's no right to abortion in our founding doc documents. But unfortunately, we have been disappointed by the Supreme Court before. Roe versus Wade and Planned Parenthood v. Casey, both Supreme Court decisions on abortion, happened with Republican majority-appointed Supreme Court justices. Now, we're hoping for the right decision, right? We know there's spiritual principalities and powers on the move, but even if we don't get this right, our duty remains the same. Because loving our neighbor means more than being nice to our neighbor. It means contending for the rights of our neighbor. And the unborn neighbor is the only neighbor that it's legal to kill, okay? So the best way to love a neighbor it's legal to kill is to make it illegal to kill them or to seek to save them while it's legal to kill them until you make it illegal to kill them. And for pro-lifers, that means showing up outside of abortion centers where our neighbors are scheduled to die. We'll finish with this. Secretary of State uh, years ago, John Foster Dulles, put this beautifully, ex explaining how politics is a, is a form of neighborly love. He said, neighborly love in political actions means loving others based on the brotherhood that was created with God as the father of all. It means that the political power of any government must be considered an opportunity, not to favor individuals, but to do well for all. Political power is a way to love neighbor and to do well for all. So, the role of the church as stewards of what God has given us in America is to contend for godly men and women in positions of political power who understand that they're going to give an account to God and that there are natural rights of individuals that flow from our human nature as image bearers of God, that we're endowed with inalienable rights, that among these are the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Who endowed us with those rights? Oh yeah, God the Father, right? 
We need godly men and women in positions of political power who will contend for the life of the unborn once again. But that's a long game. The long game the left has been playing for decades, getting people with their liturgy, ideology, worldview, and religion into all of the highest levels of government to, <coughs> to, to promulgate and push those ideas through policy. And politics and policies have consequences. And nowhere is that more true today than the issue of abortion. So the church needs to be playing the long game because even if we get the right decision in, Rover, in, in uh, Dobbs versus Jackson, then Roe versus Wade is overturned and it goes back to the states, which means we need state-level legislation to protect the preborn. But if we fail to get the right decision and Roe versus Wade is upheld once again, we need to be contending locally in our communities, in our states for the long game of getting godly men and women elected and not waiting for the politics to save children, but showing up outside of death camps now to save the preborn with the hope that God will lift the curse off of us from America and bless our efforts once again to end this genocide. Incidentally, such neighborly love in politics not only is selfless in that it loves your neighbor, but it also protects your own rights and those of the next generation, doesn't it? So that hard work of contending for a godly and righteous politics, incidentally, ends up protecting your own rights as well and the rights of the next generation, the republic to which you will hand to your children and grandchildren. Or to quote Ronald Reagan, freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it to our children in the bloodstream. It must be fought for, protected, and handed on for them to do the same. Or one day we will spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like to live in the United States where men were free. The rights and liberties we abandon today will be the rights and liberties our grandchildren never knew existed. For the sake of the preborn, and then for the sake of our own rights, we need to wake up and contend now before it's too late. Thanks so much for joining me today. Head on over to iTunes, YouTube, Spotify, and give the show a rating and review. Let us know what you think. It really helps. If you want to learn more and engage with me online, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or go to my website, sethgruber.com, for training videos, my speaking schedule, and to subscribe to my newsletter. Until next week, I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted. Uh -huh.